Well, it's a good morning to be in the house of the Lord, yeah. is it not? Uh, can I ask you a question? Who needs a move of God in their life? Let me ask the question again. Who needs a move of God in their life? Okay. There is a thing that God has given you. It's called a mouth and a voice. Okay. And, uh, and I was just, you know, I was sitting down here and I was saying, Lord, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to say anything about that because I, there is nothing in my body, my bone, my spirit that would ever want to manipulate you in any way, short, shape, form, or fashion. But I need you to know that you have permission to be vocal in this church. You have permission to respond. Sometimes when you respond vocally, it is an agreement with somebody next to you and to this God who breathes stars to say, I agree with that and I need you to move in my life in that way. So I ask you again, Springhouse Church, who needs a move of God in their life? Okay. I believe that God wants to move in your life. And I believe that he wants to do it today and he wants to do it ongoing every day if you will let him, if you will engage him, if you will be in relationship with him. Do you know that this journey that we are on with the Lord is not just for us to come and have a nice service on Sunday, eat a piece of chicken. By the way, thank you for the picnic people who served last week. It was really great. Chicken was hot and fresh. You're going to have to go eat your own chicken today. God wants to be in communion and relationship with you. I was thinking about Brian talking about Ebenezer's. Boys, we, guys, we should, be, we should be setting up Ebenezer's all the time. There should be moves of God happening in our lives all of the time. And if it's not happening, if you're not seeing God move in your life, my question today would be why? Why is he not moving in your life? Okay, before I got to... My name is Kevin O'Day. <laughs> I've not been here for quite some time. I attend this church. Uh, and if you were not here last week, uh, I, am, uh, I have the privilege to serve as lead pastor. I know that we have some new faces here. Uh, they've let this crazy person on the stage today. Uh, and I am glad to be back. And I just wanted to, again, thank you guys for the way that you love my family during our time away and the way that you continue to pour your love on us. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. I feel more loved in this season of my life than I've ever felt in my entire life. And a large majority of that is because of you and what you guys say and do and how you guys so love our family. So thank you. Uh, thank you so much, so much for that, the gift of, of, of you. Um, and uh, the end of this month, we have a very special activity taking place uh, called our annual Fall Fest, our annual Fall Fest. And uh, the Lord has just been so gracious to us in allowing us to be a part of something really, really big in the community of Smyrna. Now, Margaret Meek, our, our former children's pastor, uh, she she started this Fall Fest thing, and uh, and it was mainly in house. Uh, but God Himself uh, has seen fit, rather, to to put His hand on it and bless it. And we have had we last year, I think we had like three thousand people come uh, to our Fall Fest as an opportunity uh, for us to to uh, to serve and to provide something on that particular night. So um, I wanted to encourage you to be a part of our our Fall Fest. This is not a kids ministry event. This is a Springhouse outreach event. And so what we're asking is we want everyone under the sound of my voice to be involved in some way. So there are three things that we're asking you to do. Three things we're asking you to do. The first thing that we want you to do is we want you to pray. 
We want you to pray. Guys, if the Holy Spirit is not involved, I don't want anything to do with it. And, uh, and I'm so grateful for Springhouse Theater and their ability to put together a presentation that gives everybody who comes to this thing an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want to be able to love on the community. We want to be able to provide this fun activity uh, for them. But we want to pray that God would move uh, in our midst through interactions and conversations. Uh, on that on that particular night. So that's the first thing we want you to pray. The second thing is, is we need candy. We need candy. I was so great. I ran into a couple people who are who bought some candy at the store, and they were coming out saying, "I'm buying my candy for the for the fall fest." And um, and uh, guys, we need you to bring in some candy because guess what? Kids like candy. Adults like candy. Come on, give me a break, right? We need lots of candy, guys. I want to have so much candy that we, we don't know what to do with it, okay? So if you would please bring in candy starting next Sunday, bring it in. We will store it, and we will give it out on October 31st. And then the third thing is that we want you to serve. We want you to be here to serve that night. So because this event is so big and there's a lot of coordination, on Sunday, October 22nd, we are going to have an informational luncheon, okay? So anybody who's interested in serving, and I want you to come to this, if you are serving, Serving that day, or you are interested in serving on the 31st, come and let us feed you and give you the information about the night. We have multiple opportunities for you to serve, and we want you to be a part of this outreach event. So come and be a part of the uh, of the luncheon on October 22nd. I'm assuming that that QR code means that there is a sign up for the luncheon. Is that correct? So that we have enough food. Give me thumbs up. So so that I don't have to share my sandwich with you, we want you to sign up. Go to the QR code, put your, put your name in there, and, uh, and sign up so we have enough food for you. Guys, we want you to be a part of this. So pray, Candy, and come and serve and be a part of it. Does that sound good? Yes. Amen. Amen. Let's get into the Word this morning. Why don't you stand with me? Let's read it with some gusto. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he replied. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, 
Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is transformative. I thank you that it is alive. I thank you that it is real. And Father, I'm asking for an increase of faith in this house today. I pray that you would move in a supernatural way that changes us from the inside out and for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is faithful. Do you agree? God is faithful, and God's faithfulness does not depend, God's faithfulness does not depend, the prerequisite for God's faithfulness is nothing that we have done, nothing that we have said, nothing that we are going to do, nothing that we have earned, nothing that we have uh, accumulated. God is faithful inherently, that is who he is, that's part of his nature. Also, God is good. Did you know that God is good? We were singing the goodness of God just a few minutes ago. And during the first gathering, I just felt like the Lord said, there is somebody that needs to be reminded that the goodness of God is never called into question because of how you feel. The goodness of God is there. He is good, inherently good, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of how you fail, fail, regardless of how you succeed, regardless of how you feel, God's goodness is there no matter what. And so if you're in a circumstance, maybe you're in a situation where your circumstance feels like, or your situation feels like, you're like, I, God, I know you say you're good, but it certainly doesn't feel like you're good. I'm here to remind you that God is for you, not against you. He sees you right where you are, and he is a God that will meet you. He has not abandoned you. Keep leaning in. Keep leaning in. Keep, keep reaching out to him. He is a good, good father. He is a good, good father. Father. Well, I know that when we read a scripture such as the one that we just read today, some of us might have the propensity to look at that scripture and say, this isn't really for me because you're talking about a rich man and I certainly am not rich, Pastor. And so uh, as much as I love what we're going to be talking about today, uh, you know, I'm not really, it doesn't really relate to me because I'm not, I'm not rich. I see what Jesus is saying to this guy. He needs to give up any, everything that he has and, and I get it. So I'll just kind of clock out and kind of sip on my latte and get ready to go out to eat at that fancy restaurant and drive my fancy car to that restaurant and go to my big house and all of those things. We might go swimming afterwards or whatever, but I'm not really rich, Pastor, and I don't really have anything to do with this word because I don't really relate to, to this circumstance because I'm living paycheck to paycheck and I just really, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't really relate. Uh, and I came here today after my, my sabbatical to tell you, uh, you are rich, well, Pastor, uh, uh, you might need to go back to your sabbatical because uh, I don't know if I can really grab onto that because I don't certainly feel rich right now. But I'm here to tell you, uh, you, you, you are rich. If you're sitting under the sound of my voice, if you're living in this country, if you're living in this state, 
you're rich. Now, I know, I understand that, that it's relative, perhaps subjective, and maybe, maybe you, you look at it and you say, well, I certainly don't feel rich. I didn't say that you felt rich. I told you that you are rich. I told you that you are rich. And, and just so that maybe I might be able to alter a little bit of your perspective today on, on rich, on, on, on what that is, I wanted to give you some statistics. Now, I want to preface this by saying I went to the internet and did some research to find these statistics. And guess what? None of the websites agreed with one another. Uh, but, but the websites were in the ballpark of one another. So I felt confident enough to give a, 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 an average of what I found on these statistics. None of them were really out one extreme or the other. They were pretty close. Okay. So you are, you are rich. So here's the global, some global stats for you. Okay. Only about 18% of the world's population own a car. If you own a car in this place, you are within 18% of the world's population. Now that's one car. And we're not talking about the fancy, necessarily the fancy one with all the buttons. Uh, some of you in this place own dos carros. Uh, carros is not the right word. I don't know what I'm supposed to say there. I just <laughs> felt right. Okay. No, I, 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 no. Okay. Justin's writing that down. Vroom, vroom. Okay. 18%. Okay. If you own a car. Surveying 24 of the richest countries, listen, 24 of the richest countries in the world, the average square footage in a house of the 24 richest countries is 1,183 square feet. The average square footage of a house in the United States is over 2,000 square feet. This is not counting third world countries that live in much smaller quarters with a lot more people. This one really got me. The annual household income globally is right at $12,000. Global household income average, $12,000. Anybody feeling rich yet? If you earn in your household $30,000, if you earn $30,000 as a household, you are in the top 15% globally of earners. And if you earn... $60,000 or more, you are in the top 1% in the world. Anybody feel rich? Might not feel it, but you are. You, you are rich. Well, you might say, well, listen, Pastor Kevin, I don't care what stats you put up there. I'm not buying in to the fact that I am rich because I do not believe that I am rich. That's okay. I didn't come here to tell you that as the main point today. I just wanted to kind of get us on the same page that you're rich. And if you don't believe that you're rich, you're confused. Okay. So, um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're rich, but, but, but let me, let me, let me tell you, uh, even though we are rich in this room and we may feel a, a variety of ways about that, I've got, some, I've got some good news and I got some perhaps bad news, okay? I got some good news and I got some perhaps b bad news about, about the situation. The good news is this. The good news is God does not discriminate. God does not discriminate whether you are poor or rich, young or old, red, yellow, black and white, you are precious in his sight, God does not discriminate. So the gift of eternal life, the gift that he has to give, it, give you is for everyone. 
It's for everyone. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what you are. This gift is for you. God does not discriminate. Here's the perhaps maybe bad news. There's only one way to get there. There's only one way to get there. And regardless of where you've been, how much you've accumulated, how many good things you've done, bad things you've done, your stock portfolio, your savings account, the bills owed, the notes, there's only one way. Jesus tells us over in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. You do not have to be rich to enter the kingdom. You do not have to be poor to enter the kingdom, but you do have to have Jesus. You do have to have Jesus. And so we're looking at this story today where Jesus has just come up. Have you ever, if you're reading scripture and you ever look at the scripture and if you pay attention, if you'll just slow down and pay attention, God will unlock some things to you that you just are like, wow, Lord, I never saw that before. And I wanna take us on a very short uh, journey on kind of what the Lord was revealing to me in this, in this scripture, in this text, because the very first two words that we read today, I think are significant to this man's life. Now, what I'm about to share with you isn't necessarily in scripture. And if you want to tune out, I guess you can. But this is what I believe that the Lord has, has kind of revealed to me. And I believe it relates uh, to the overarching concept of what we're trying to get at, uh, get, that Jesus is trying to get at here, okay? The very first two words of this passage are what? Just then. Can you say that? Just then. Just then. When you read something that says just then, it should cause your mind to go, what happened right before this moment for the writer to pen just then. And right prior to this uh, interaction with Jesus, Jesus is with children. He's with children. The children have started to come to him and the, and the adults, if you will, go with me, the adults are saying, no, get away. Jesus doesn't have time for you. Shh, don't, don't bother Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let the children come. Let the children come to me. And Jesus ministers to the children. Just then, a man comes to Jesus. I wonder if this man happened to be at that moment watching this interaction with Jesus and these children and evaluating both his life and this gift that the teacher was offering. Why is it, why is it that it is easier for us to have faith as children than it is when we are adults. Why is it that the younger we are, we got, man, I tell my, if I tell, I could tell Ruby, go and jump off this stage, and she said, let's go, and she would just do it. If I tell, if I tell James to come up here and jump up, well, not James, bad example. No, James would, James would question it. He's like, wait a sec, you want me to, no, you want me to jump off this stage? You know, he, he, he wouldn't, and part of that is because he has life experience and he would think, you know, if I jump off the stage, I might break my leg, you know, that type of thing. Why is it that we are so more quick to obey in an emphasis childlike stage than we are when we feel like we know what we're talking about, when we feel like we are older? You know, I think that the call of the Lord is for us to become like little children, to become more like 
little children. But I wonder what this guy, what type of insecurities were going on in this man? What type of things were going on inside this man to cause him to just then come and approach the teacher and say, hey, Jesus, teacher, to which he ascribes an adjective. He says, good teacher, what must I do to have this gift of eternal Life. Now, he wasn't approaching the question from the standpoint of, I'm ready to abandon everything I have to, to get the answer to this question to receive what you had. No, he was approaching this question from the standpoint of, I've got all these trophies in my kit right here, and I want to add what you have to offer to the rest of them. I want to add this to the rest of what I've got going on in my life. And so Jesus, do you know, how many know that when you go and ask Jesus a question, he already knows the answer before he gives his question and his response. He's always methodical in what he gives. Has, have you ever been asking something of the Lord and he responds to you and makes you think? God, I was asking you for this and I just wanted you to say yes, but you said something different and it made me have to think. No, just me? Okay. So <laughs> moving right along. Um, this guy says, this, 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 this rich man says, Jesus, what must I do to have eternal, eternal life? Well, good teacher, what, how, do I, how do I get this? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? The reason he's asking the, the, the guy the question is not because he doesn't know the answer. The reason he's asking the, the guy the question is because he knows that guy has settled in his mind that he himself is righteous. He himself is good. How do I know that? Because if you continue to read, Jesus says, if you want to inherit eternal life, then obey all of the commandments. And he starts to list off a bunch of commandments. Now, I'm going to tell you, I started reading those commandments. And I was like, man, I am out to lunch. I have messed up in so, so many ways. But this guy's like, check, got it, check, got it, check, got it. I, I'm good, Jesus. I got all those. What else do I need to do? And Jesus says, oh, you want to be perfect. You want to be perfect? Sell everything you own and give it to the poor and then come follow me. To which we learn that this man walks away sad. Why? The word tells us because he had great wealth. So we can infer from the passage that this man was holding on to the things that he had with a closed fist because he earned them, because he worked hard for them, because they were his. And maybe out of his insecurity, out of his lack of self-worth, whatever it was, he was holding on to the very thing that would prevent him from receiving eternal life. Jesus wants us to understand, friends, that who you have is of much more value than what you have. Who you have is of much more value than what you have. And the who we have is not your spouse, it's not your daddy or your mommy, it's not your kids, but the who in that statement is Jesus Christ. Jesus is of much more value than anything you own. Can I um, remind you that when you die, you are not taking anything that you have acquired with you. Job says that naked I came into the world, naked I'm going to leave. 
Now, let me tell you something. That to me is a straight up call to get to the gym because I'm gonna tell you, baby Kevin, baby Kevin, cute as all can be, 40-year-old man Kevin, naked form, no sir, you don't wanna see this. But the word tells me I'm gonna be naked, okay? You're gonna be naked. We're not taking, I'm not taking this jacket with me. Okay, I'm not taking, I'm not taking my car, I'm not taking my house, I'm not taking, nothing is going with me when I die. But why is it that so many of us will lay down our lives for things that are going to stay as opposed to a man, a God who will call us to eternity? So many of us are willing to, to lay down hours and hours, to lay down relationships, to lay down uh, God moments, encounters, things that bring life so that we can acquire wealth, so that we can acquire all of these things and have a happy life here on earth when all of it's going to pass away, when eternity comes. And if we're not careful, you might be in the very best days of your entire life, including eternity right now. Because in order to have the kingdom, you have to be willing to let it go. Look at your neighbor and say, let it go. Let it go. How is it that we got in this horrible, horrible position of wanting more, wanting more of what we don't have? Wanting more of what we, we don't have. I, I got a new truck. I got a new, it's got all of the things, but oh man, three days later, I see another truck that I want. So I'm going to go and jump into that truck. Or, or man, I want to, I want a TV. I, I, I want a 50 inch TV, but boy, now there's a 75 inch TV. Oh, I got to have, that is a need of my life. Praise Jesus. I need a 75 inch TV. Oh no, but there's a 90 inch TV over here. I've got to, I've got to have that TV. Did you know it's football season and you can't enjoy The Lord would not have me enjoy. Tennessee playing football unless it's a hundred inch. <laughs> this is my daughter Lucia when she was one year old. This was the first day I introduced her to chocolate cake. She hasn't turned back since. Can I tell you that there is a real enemy out there who is looking to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And sometimes he comes in the form of chocolate cake. <laughs> he says, I bet you have not tried it this way. I bet you haven't tasted it this way. And you start to to take a little bit of a nibble of that cake and you start to taste it and then you become like Lucia and you lose your mind. She was grabbing for every bit of that cake that she could have eaten. And let me tell you something, I could have just fed her cake for the rest of her life. She probably wouldn't be here today with us if I did. And at that stage, she would have eaten it as much as I would have given it. But guys, so many of us are eating cake that we don't even know about. Because here's the thing. Here is, here is the slippery slope with all the materials and all the stuff and all the things that we have here on earth. It is never enough. 
It is never enough. And I might submit to you that so many of us choose to go down the road of trying to get more and more and more because we are insecure and we need a true word in our lives that's going to fix the problem. But instead, we resort to intermediate stupid little things that are going to be shallow and are not going to last for eternity. And when it does not become enough, we reach down and we try to get more and we try to get more and we try to get more and we are never satisfied. Might I suggest to you this morning that Jesus has a gift to offer you that will always satisfy. What Jesus offers you will always satisfy. Guys, we just went on a pastoral retreat this past weekend, and I want you to know that your pastor is praying over you that there would be an increase of faith in your life. There would be an increase of faith in your life. Why am I praying that prayer? Because I believe that God wants to show up and he wants to show out in your lives and in the lives of this church. Why do I want God to show up here so that you can have a bigger, better house, car, all of these things? He might move in that way. That's not at all why I want him to show up and show out. The reason I want him to show up and show up is because I believe that there are broken relationships that need to be reconciled. I believe that there are marriages that are on the rocks that need a God to come in and reach down and do something mighty in them. I believe that there are prodigals that need to come home. And if this house would become a house of faith, if we would become a people that would lean into everything that God says and believe what God says, I believe that God would begin to bring people into this, into this house. I read in the book of Acts, when we look at the Holy Spirit and the way that he moved and the miracles that happened and all the supernatural movement that happened in the book of Acts, every time I saw something that the Holy Spirit did, it's attached to this clause that says numbers were added to them every single day. And guys, I am here because I want numbers to be added to the kingdom. I want people to encounter the God that I have learned is a good, faithful, wonderful, kind God who sees people who do not get seen. Guys, am I preaching this morning? Are you clocked out? Can you hear what I'm saying to you? I'm talking to you. I'm talking about when you lose your keys and you say, you know, I'm going to spend an hour looking or I'm going to ask this God who knows exactly where my keys are, where are my keys? And he puts his hand right on it. And it seems like such a small thing. But then I go to Kurt and say, Kurt, let me tell you something. I lost my keys today and God told me where they are. And I found my keys. And Kurt says, you know what? I've been looking for something for a long time now. Maybe I ought to try God out. Maybe God will help me find. So he starts to pray. And guess what? God moves in his life. And then he begins to share with James. James, you got to hear this. James, I lost this and I, and I found it. And James is like, you know what? I'm believing God to pay this bill that we just haven't had the money. And all of a sudden somebody comes. God will move in ripples and faith begots faith and it encourages faith. Guys, where are, what are you believing God for? What are you believing God for? When's the last time? I'm serious. Think about this. This is nowhere in the notes. This is not even where I was supposed to be preaching right now. Listen, 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 listen. When was the last time you got before God and you said, God, I am believing you for this? I'm not talking about, I am believing for health in my life for the next 20 years. I am believing, God, that, that I, will, I will be. No, I'm talking about, God, I am believing that by next week, you're going to bring this person into this situation and do this thing. God, I'm believing that you're going to, Serena, is that your name back there, Serena? 
Serena, this lady back here, Serena, she was not supposed to be here today, except for you were supposed to be here today. Serena's car broke down. She goes to World Outreach, and the Lord told her, I want you to walk to a church that's down the street where there's a stoplight. And so she walks down there, and the Holy Spirit told her, you're going to meet a man named Kevin. And I went down to her, and I did not make it. I couldn't. The service went long last service, so I made it up the steps to Serena, and then I made it back down here. And she was the last person. I said, hey, how are you? And I bent down. Who are you? Jeannie said, there's a new person here. And she said, my name is Serena. And I said, my name's Kevin. And she just starts to well up in tears. She said, God told me I was going to go to a church and meet a man named Kevin. What does it look like to hear the voice of God and be obedient to that voice? Because here's the thing, Serena, what you didn't know is God gave me, I'm not gonna announce it, but God gave me something that I was supposed to give to somebody today and you're the person I'm supposed to give it to, so that will be coming later to you. God works in miraculous ways if you will clean out your ears and listen to him. But guys, we can't listen to him when we're holding on to our life and our stuff like this. And let me tell you, that enemy is right there. I'm gonna tell you today, the biggest chocolate cake is waiting right out there. Metaphorically, right, Dustin? (laughs) That pastor told me there was some chocolate cake out here. I am mad I didn't see my chocolate cake. (laughs) He's got chocolate cake waiting for you. Why? Because I wanna distract you from what God can do in your life. Some of you in this place, maybe you have acquired wealth and riches. And here is a mentality in us and, 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 a, and, a, and, a, and a heart posture that we can get into that we don't realize that we're getting into. The scripture says this in Revelation to the church of Laodicea. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Guys, anytime you look at your wealth and your possessions and all the things that you have and you put your faith and your trust in those things, you are poor, blind, naked, and without a God. And that's not a place that you want to be. That's a dangerous place for you to be. So... What are we supposed to do? I don't know that I believe that God is saying, Springhouse Church, go out and put your house on the market right now. Go sell your cars, go sell all your possessions. Maybe he's telling you to do that and you need to obey that voice if he's telling you to do that. But one of the principles that we need to own as we are stepping into places of faith is the principle of stewardship. The principle of stewardship. What is stewardship? What is stewardship? Stewardship says, I'm going to take care of something as if it is my own, even though it does not belong to me. And might I tell you that nothing you have belongs to you. I'm going to say that again because some of you thought that nothing meant this and not this over here. Nothing, nothing, nothing that you have actually belongs to you actually belongs to you. Let me uh, take a little bunny trail here because I'm on a little bit of a roll. Okay. If you are, this is a tithing house. There are people in this room who actively tithe. And usually when we preside over the tithe and the offering portion, we speak to the issue of tithing. And, and, And the reason that we do that is we believe that being obedient in the area of tithing can be transformative in your life can be transformative in your life. It has been transformative in my life. But right now, I just want to talk to those who have been faithful in the tithe, okay? And there are, there are people in here who have been faithful. Being obedient 
and tithing can also be a platform, a foundation for you to walk in pride. Uh, Kurt, has a need, Kurt has a need over there, and uh, I've been tithing for 25 years, and if Kurt would get his life together and start tithing, then maybe God would reach into his life and, and change his life, you know? I've been tithing for tithing. I don't have the problems that Kurt has because I've been tithing for 25 years, you know? I've been, I've been giving to the Lord like I'm supposed to. Kurt, Kurt, I know you need that thing, but uh, brother, you need to start. If you're not tithing, pff, man, you got get your life together, Kurt, you know? When all the while God is looking at you and saying, I put you in their life to fix that problem. There came a point around my 11th grade year because it was instilled into me the principle of tithing at an early age. I started at 15. There came a point around my 11th grade, 12th grade year where tithing was no more a step of faith for me because I was giving it out of a habitual pattern where I didn't even look at it. It was just natural. Do you have faith to pay your taxes? I'm talking about the ones that come out of your check. No, because they're gone. You don't have a choice, right? You don't even consider it as part of your real income whenever you're spending your check, right? That's kind of the mentality that has been in my life. And God began to do a work in me and convict me and say, that was just the baseline, Kevin. That's the baseline that I want you to understand that by giving the 10%, by paying the 10%, all you're doing is acknowledging that everything you have is mine, says the Lord. So for those of us that have been tithing routinely, what does it look like to live on the 10% and give the 90%? Oh, I didn't get an amen on that one. God wants to do a mighty work in our lives, but we cannot experience the move of God if we're holding on to our stuff and putting more trust in our stuff than we are him than we are him. This is what stewardship looks like. James, can you hop up here fast? Um, straight on. Now don't fix your hair when I give this to you, okay? Uh, here's the thing, God gives us something. God gives us something, okay? He says, I, I, have, I have a blessing. I have something that I want you to be in charge of. I wanna give you, I wanna entrust you with something. How many God has entrusted you with something in your life? Anything in your life, raise your hand. Look around the room, God has entrusted. Guess what? If you're married, he's entrusted you with a marriage. If you're a parent, he's entrusted you with kids. If you have a business, he's entrusted you with that business. God gives you something, and this is what he, this is what he does at the beginning. He says, I'm gonna hand this to you I'm going to hand this to you and look at that. And what happens is you look and you see yourself and you're like, oh my God, you want me to do this? I I can't see myself doing this. And God says, let me show you yourself doing it. Let me show you that I'm going to equip you to do this wonderful thing, this glorious thing. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be outrageous. It's going to be great. And he shows you yourself doing that thing. And let me tell you, when God gives you something, the very first thing he requires out of you is to give it back to him. The very first thing he requires is for you to give it back to him. And so you give it back to him because giving it back to him says, God, you might be calling me to do this thing, but I know it's not me doing it. I know that if, I, if this is going to happen, it's going to have to be in your, on your terms and in your strength. And so I get, allows that door to open and he gives it back to you. But when he gives it back to you, now it looks like this. And if I'm God and it's facing this way and you come up here, Kurt, and you look in this mirror, whose reflection do you see in the mirror? God, You're, that was a question. Yes, okay. You see God's reflection. 
So here we are, we're holding this up, and no matter where we go with what he's given us, we see God's reflection. We see God in every response that we give. We see God in, every, in everything that we choose to do. They don't understand why they made that decision because it's unlike the world and everything else they do. But you know what? God's in charge and he's being reflected out of that decision. And so what happens is when God gets involved with stuff, guys, this is so cool. When God gets involved with stuff, it always grows. It always, God always grows things that he's involved with. So that little thing he gives you eventually becomes this, eventually becomes this. And so you're holding this God thing, the thing that he's entrusted you with and the thing that should be giving him so much glory. But you know what, James, you start liking the feel of this thing. You start getting, people start saying, James, man, you, you look good holding that thing, man. Man, man, you know what, James? You, 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 you get all the benefits of, of holding this. You know, in fact, you know, just kind of look at yourself. Doesn't that look good, man? Doesn't that look great? Yeah, you're looking pretty good holding that thing right there. And all of a sudden, the thing that God grew becomes about us and not about him. And when people look at it, they don't see him. They see you. And so... What God has to do at this moment is he has to take his hand off of it. And you wonder why. You say, God, what happened? You were moving here, 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 and all of a sudden, you're not moving anymore. And he says, it's because you stopped giving me the glory for what I gave you, what I entrusted you with. Stewardship is the ability to take whatever God has given you and say, God, this is not mine. No matter how big it gets, no matter how grand it gets, no matter how wonderful it is, no matter how many people come, no matter whatever it is that you supply, no matter I end up having mansions and mansions and, and cars and boats and all these things for whatever reason, God, all of this is yours. And if you choose to take it out of my hands at a moment's notice, it is okay because it never belonged to me to begin with. Are you stewarding your marriage? Are you stewarding your finances? Are you stewarding the materials and the things that he's entrusted you? Because every bit of it belongs to him. Thank you, James. Every bit of it belongs to him. I believe that God is calling us to deeper levels of stewardship in the things that he has given us. The Bible tells us that the earth is the Lord's and some of the stuff in it as well. The earth is the Lord's and what? How much? How much? Everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What a wonderful gift of stewardship. Gilberto, Sandra, and I were just having a discussion this past week. You remember the story of Joseph. Joseph was one of the greatest stewards of God's provision in his life. Do you know that Joseph, Joseph was raised up to be, he was on the top, he, he could have anything he wanted. He ruled all of Egypt, but nothing he had belonged to him. It all belonged to Pharaoh. It all belonged to him. Guys, if you can be trusted with just a little, God will trust you with so much more. What are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? And here's the verse that I'm wanting us as a church to lean into. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
I want to be a people who please the Lord. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. You won't go to a God that you don't believe in. But here's the issue. You can either be forced into his presence to ask him for what you need, or you can go voluntarily. And I would much rather go voluntarily. God, I believe that you exist. I'm believing for better and bigger and glorious and much more glorious things. Why? Because I want to be, I want to be great. I want to be, I want to have all this. No, because if I believe you for bigger and you move in that way and I operate in a way that it's not mine, then that means there are going to be others that are going to be affected by it and to see your glory. What are you holding on to, friend? What are you holding on to? Not your phone, hopefully. <laughs> the word says this, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you a story quickly as the worship team comes back out. I went to Africa, which by the way, Pastor Bruce and Jill Cobo are in the house today. <laughs> Welcome guys, so glad you're here. Went to Africa uh, several years ago, and um, I, I mean, guys, no, it's no secret, you know, I'm growing. Do you know I'm growing? Do you, do you guys know I'm growing? It's time for me to lay down this job the minute I stop growing, okay? I'm in process. So one of the things you guys know about me is I kind of, I do care a little bit about the way I look. Is that fair? Is that true? You guys noticed that, okay? Sorry. Um, we went to Africa, and um, when I tell you that we went to the middle of nowhere, I wish there was even a better definition of the middle of nowhere because we were in the middle of nowhere, at least in my perspective. Now, for the people that live there, that's, not the, that's their home, right? But if you were to ask me how to get to Mbita, I, I, it's by the tree and the hippo and the, uh, there, I just don't know. I can't tell you. In fact, we were so in the middle of nowhere that we got off a big plane to walk in the middle of a field for a plane to land in the dirt for us to get on that plane and go to where we were going. I'm talking about middle of nowhere. Well, I, I'm learning. I'm in process about packing light, okay? Just saying. I'm in process, okay? And on this particular trip, I was way in process, and I, I didn't really pack light. In fact, I remember getting to the airport and put some stuff, including a bag of trail mix, in my backpack. And so I get this bag, and it's on the plane, and I don't have a worry in the world, because I'm trusting in the plane people to get my bag where it's supposed to be. I don't remember how many were in that group, maybe 25, and we get there, and 24 bags come off the conveyor belt, and not mine. I was in leadership at the time, not leading the trip, but I was in leadership at the time. And you have that moment when something goes wrong and everybody's eyes are on you because they want to know how you're going to respond. And I just smiled, said, praise God, praise God, praise God. I went into the bathroom and I cried. I said, God, I don't know, I don't know where I am. I don't know what this is about. I got stuff in that bag that I need. I don't, I mean, what am I, suppo what am I supposed to wear? We're in the middle of humid heat in the middle of summer. I, Lord, what am I going to do? What? And God said, you could try trusting me. I do trust you 
but. And that's where we get in trouble, isn't it? God, I do trust you, but you don't understand, God. So we get where we're supposed to go. And the group's so gracious and they're kind. And I get there and, um, you know, I'm soothing myself with this bag of trail mix. <laughs> and Vonda likes trail mix. Vonda Coble, she was there. And she said, no, that's not true. Her daughter, JC, was supposed to take a handful of my trail mix back to her cabin. So they took the trail mix back to their cabin and Vonda devoured the entire bag. Let me say, when the scripture says what you don't have will be taken from you, it means what you don't have will be taken. God was wanting to strip everything away from me on that trip. I went day after day and initially I was calling the airport like every so often, paying lots of money, by the way, to call the airport. And I just stopped I just eventually had to stop. And I went into um, this brother's house and we're in the middle of what they call the bush. I mean, there's no Tide detergent or Clorox. There's no washing machines. I go into this guy's house and he's there and he is just smiling ear to ear. And he says, welcome brother to my house. You wanna talk about square footage? And I walk into his house and he says, my brother, Anything I have is yours. Anything I have. And you know, the first place he took me is he pulled out his drawer and inside were three pair of underwear. Anything you want, my brother. And I reached in and I grabbed some underwear, grabbed some shirts and some pants, said, thank you. And I remember being in my cabin, putting on that underwear and just weeping before the Lord saying, Lord, and he was breaking Kevin and doing a work inside me to which I began to question, God, do you even see me in the middle of nowhere? Do you even know that I'm here? I'm supposed to be telling these kids how big and great you are. And don't you know, like, sidestep for a second. I'm literally got clothes on me. He's taking care of my need, but I can't see my need for my complaint. How many of us are complaining and not recognizing God's move in our life right in front of us? And so the week goes on and we get to this, they call it kids day, I believe. And all these kids are walking from ever, I mean, just, and we've been prepping and the kids are all over the place. And, and I've been asked to speak and, you know, I'm excited about it. And it's the day before we leave. We're leaving at like, we're leaving at like, the midnight, I mean, we're living at three o'clock in the morning or something real crazy. And, uh, and so the next morning, and Kurt Bryson rides up on this motor ped, pad, motor, motorcycle, dirt bike. dirt bike, let's go with that, dirt bike. And um, he says, Kevin, I feel like we're supposed to go and check the place that your bag would be if it was there. And I said, Kurt, man, I got these, these kids are here, man. I, I don't, you know, and he said, no, listen, I think we need to go because this is it. I mean, when, if you leave tomorrow morning and you're gone, I mean, that, that's your, there's, this is the last, this is the last vein of hope here. And I was like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go, you know, and I didn't really, uh, he had the faith for me that I needed. How many know that you might have faith for somebody else? You might be the one God wants to have 
faith through. And so he pulls up and, and we go and we, we drive this bike and we go and we drive to this like little shit. Now, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe we're pulling over because something's wrong because we're pulling up to this like little house shed thing. And this guy is out there and he's literally putting the padlock on the door. Like he's leaving. And Kurt yells at him, hey, hey, whoa, 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 wait. And he gets off and he says, has a green bag come in at this location? And he goes, yes, man. There's a green bag that came in this, 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 just about an hour ago or whatever. And he pulls it out and there's my bag. There's my bag within hours of leaving the middle of nowhere. And you know what God said to me in that moment as I began to tear up? He said, Kevin, no matter how far you feel away, I will always find you. I will always find you. And I wanna tell you today, no matter how many of you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, that you are lost, that God cannot be found, God will find you no matter what. He is for you. He is not against you. He is with you. He is your great redeemer. And so I got this bag and God met me right where I was. It takes a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God in order to, to know what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to go. Guys, I'm going over by five minutes. Are you with me? Yeah. Gonna be five minutes. Dustin and Katie, would you come here, please? Come up stage quickly, quickly, quickly. Most of you don't know this, but uh, Dustin and Katie had an opportunity about three months ago to go and move to, uh, I believe it's Florida, is that correct? And um, they were gonna go, they, they, they uh, basically the situation, without getting into all the details, much more money, much more financial security, closer to, to Dustin's kids. I mean, it just made sense, 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 sense. And they came into my office and they said, we've got a kind of a bombshell to tell you, we feel like we're supposed to go and, and move, to, move to Florida. And, um, Several days passed and, you know, we were praying and we were just, you know, some of us distraught, but trying to be supportive and trying to be like, man, can you hold on? And Dustin and I got to talk and I was just saying, Dustin, man, you really got to hear from the Lord about this. Got to hear from the Lord about this because your provision is not in any of this stuff, but it's in the word of the God and God. And if God has told you to go, then you need to go. But if God's not telling you to go. You need to stay. And he sought the Lord and he made a decision to stay because God told him to stay. Was that decision hard? Yeah, it was very hard. Do you know that most faith, most faith steps are hard? Do you know when I say an increase of faith, it's not so that we can lean back and say, oh, it's just gonna happen. It's just gonna happen. No, it requires something out of us, a step of obedience out of us. And so Dustin has decided and Katie have decided to stay and remain faithful to where they are because they trust that God is gonna meet all of their needs. The word tells us that God will meet our needs in an abundant and an exceeding fashion more than we could ever dream or imagine. And I'm so grateful for these two and their faithfulness. So several years ago, or 2009 rather, Sherry and I bought a house and, uh, and that was our first house. It was our starter home. And we since have been able to move out of that house. And, uh, and these two have been in the, that house for three years. They've been in that house for three years and, and they have taken such good care 
of our property, of our house, of our home. They have been great stewards of something that did not belong to them. In fact, Dustin built a new deck in the backyard, sick and tired of tripping over those holes that were back there, you know? I mean, they have made this place immaculate and taken great care of something that did not belong to them. They were stewarding a place that did not belong to them as if it was their own. Well, the other night while I was tossing and turning in my sleep about this message and saying, God, I want you to increase the faith of the people in this house. I want you to do a mighty work. And God said, you know, Kevin, you're not getting out of it. He said, Kevin, if you're gonna, if, if you're gonna believe by faith for everybody else, then you're gonna walk through some stuff as well. You're gonna have to do that. And so the, the Holy Spirit of God told me that you are no longer gonna charge rent to Dustin and Katie because it's time for them to save up for their own place, for their own house. And I said, and I said, God, wait, I said, God, listen, no kidding. I sat up in bed and this is what I said, but God, we still owe a bunch of money on this house. That's what I said. I mean, I set up like this. God, we owe a bunch of money in this house. And here's what God said. He said, Kevin, you can put, you can put your stock in their rent check or you can put your faith in me as God. Sherry and I are gonna go with God. So you guys have a rent-free home for as long as you need so that you can save up for your own place. And it's because of your faithfulness and what you're doing and God's moving your life. I sure do love you guys. Continue to serve the Lord, guys. I love you. What are you holding on to? What is it that you are holding on to that is stopping a move of God in your life? We want to be people who please the Lord. Well, it requires faith. So here's your homework assignment. We're gonna worship here in a second. We're not doing prayer time because today we're just gonna acknowledge Jehovah Jireh for who he is, okay? But here's your homework assignment. Stand with me. Here's your homework assignment. If you're married in this place, I want you to take your spouse's hand right now. Look them in the eye and say this, we're about to do what pastor's telling us to do. I want you to go home. If you're not married, this is for you as well. I want you to go home today. And I want you to ask God this question, God, what am I holding on to that I'm supposed to let go of so I can see you move in a mighty way in my life? And when he identifies that thing, and let me tell you something, 90% of you know what it is right now. When he identifies that thing, I want you to give it away and I want you to give it away joyfully. And I wanna see God release such a wonderful, extraordinary thing in this house because when you give that thing away, it's gonna be an answered prayer to somebody else and they're gonna have a testimony of God's faithfulness. Can we believe God for that? Can we believe God for a move in our life and a move from him today, okay? So let's worship the Lord today, Jehovah Jireh. Come on, let's go. Let's worship. 